of wine, as you should. That's three, two, one shots. Back not. Oh, you're right. <laughs> All right, here we go again. <clears throat> Welcome back to another phenomenal episode of Salt Lime Storytime. Woo! I'm Jess Nani, and I'm here with my illustrious co-host, Miss Allison Hillman. Yes, that's good me. Job. Thank you so you much. Know your own, you know your own name. I do. It's one of the few things I've learned in my 25 years on this planet. Jess and I are recording for the very first time a long episode in person. Yes. And we are a bit farther apart from each other than we've done the three, two, one shots, so we're a bit more comfortable. Yes. Because <laughs> even though we're best friends, we don't touch each other at all. Literally talked about it in therapy today. It's fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> We're just not touchy people with people we're not dating. Yes. Uh, anyway, yeah, welcome back to Salt Lime Storytime. So anyway, Jess, the world is on fire. As of now we're recording this, Roe versus Wade was just, what's the word, repealed? Yeah. Roe versus Wade was overturned, just- Overturned, I think is the legal yeah. term. Roe versus Wade was just overturned and everything's on fire, especially America, and it feels really bad to be here right now as a woman or uterus having person. Yeah. But you did something pretty cool. So, yeah, I had the opportunity to go protest up at the Salt Lake City Capitol building yesterday, along with thousands of other people. And it was just so powerful to be there in unity with so many other people who were there to fight the same fight as me and the women and men that I was with. And it was also so empowering to see the men who came out to use their privilege to support us mm -hmm. and that was really really powerful and the speakers they had were all from different community organizers one of the speakers that i thought was one of the most powerful one is is the uh, president of the utah chapter for um missing and murdered indigenous women oh and i don't think that's the form i can't remember the formal title of the chapter but that's roughly what it was and her her thoughts were so so powerful and it was just i <sighs> It's been, like, a very traumatic 24 hours to be a woman, even though we knew that this was coming, or to be a person with a uterus. And, like, even though we know we knew this was coming, and it's not a surprise, it still is so, it's so disturbing, for lack of a better term. And, but, like, being able to see such a strong community come out in favor of protecting those rights was so powerful. Mm -hmm. And... Even if you don't, you don't have to love abortion. You don't have to even like abortion. But access to abortion is healthcare, and healthcare is a human right. Forced pregnancy is again is considered a human crime according to the UN, mm -hmm. and that's basically what is going to happen in states like Texas and Georgia that have a no like no tolerance laws, and. People are going to die, and that's what's really, really shitty, is if it's really about the sanctity of human life, this is not what they would have done. So, we here at Salt Lake Storytime, I, it's probably fairly obvious, but we are absolutely pro-choice, and we absolutely support everybody's right to have an abortion in a safe healthcare environment. And, um, yeah. We all have to support each other in these times because we're not getting support from the places exactly. we should be most. Exactly. The biggest the biggest thread that happened with all the speakers of the protest yesterday was that you have to rely on the community at this point yeah. to get the access to these things that you need. And something else that was really powerful, too, that the speaker said yesterday that I just want to echo on here is that taking the time to grieve this and be upset is 
absolutely necessary. And mm-hmm. I think we've said this on a couple of episodes just in the past with various things that are happening in our personal lives. But grief is a necessary emotion. Mm-hmm. And it is okay. Do not feel ashamed if you feel, like, absolutely crippled by this. Yeah. Because it's really upsetting and our country is doing backflips in the wrong direction. Yes, exactly. And I do just want to say real fast, and I'm pretty sure that most people listening know this, but and I know you do, but pro-choice does not mean that everybody will get an abortion. It means yes. you have the choice to get one. Exactly. And, like anyway there's not much more i can say on that but it doesn't mean that abortions will skyrocket it means that if i were to have an unplanned pregnancy which for why but if i were to have an unplanned pregnancy i would have the choice to decide for myself and for my future whether or not i want to keep that child i would have the choice yes and that is what they're taking away from us they're taking away the right to choose and anyway but so and then they're gonna go for gay people next so personally can't wait for that can't wait to uh potentially mm-hmm. see the rights of the gay of gay people get you know like marriage get stripped from us i mean they're already going after transgender people so hard as they always have mm-hmm. with all the laws in schools and you know the don't say gay bill in florida and now they're probably going to come after gay marriage that's what they've said right mm-hmm. like there's yeah so Anyway, everything's on fire, but at least we can tell you some cool legends and lore to get you out of this time period. Absolutely. Absolutely. So today's episode, as Allison said, we're doing legends and lore. It's going to be a delight. I think I know what Allison's doing. Glorious. Glorious. As soon as you asked what country mine was in, I was like, it's going to ruin it, but... I'm really sorry. It's okay, but I'm I glad. figured that's what you were doing, but I wanted to confirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to be said, to be fair, I don't know what you're doing. I just know what country it is, and I think I know what you're doing based on You're right, country. but anyway. I cannot wait. I won't spoil it for the, for the crew, but I'm going to go first this week, and Allison will go next. Um, Allison, any other final thoughts before we dive in? No, but it's 3.30 when Jess came over and we immediately grabbed a glass of wine. So I'm excited to see where today goes. And both of us finished these stories seconds before this this started. So it's going to be a really good time. Listen, mine was maybe written on the freeway to Allison's house, but it's still fun. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Allison. Yes. What is one of the things that I am deeply afraid of that's not a plane okay let me think about this it's a heights um i could there's really quite a bit isn't there i can just tell you okay yeah it's gonna take a minute for me to guess so i hate moths right oh my god moth (laughs) yes the moth meme i love sending that shit to you yes allison loves oh you do moth man oh my god (laughs) Okay, okay, we're getting into this. So I hate moths, famously. I always have. They're dusty. They have weird little beady eyes. Yes, this is true. <laughs> they fly to their own deaths against light bulbs and into fires. Like, yep. they're so stupid. And then you feel bad about it when you're camping because you're like, I'm in your space, but you're, like, dying in my fire. That's awful. Um, one time, one flew into my mouth. It was really traumatizing. <laughs> It tasted so dusty. Oh All this God. to say, I am not a moth fan. In fact, last week, <laughs> Allison and I were texting in one of the most unhinged text exchanges <laughs> we've ever had. And I was texting her right before I got into the shower. And 
I get into the shower and there's a giant moth in my shower and Brendan had COVID at the time, but I had to go get his like sick ass up and be like, yo, I'm going to need you to take care of this. So he had to save me from this moth and there's nothing worse than being like naked in front of a bug. (laughs) It just sees everything. It just sees everything. And I was like, oh, it's dusty, gross, ew. I had to clean the wall after because it like got its little dust on the wall. It was so gross. I hated it so much. And it was just like, it was just so awful. And Allison was like, I can't believe that you made your sick boyfriend help you with the Beyonce. Beyonce, excuse me. I kind of, sometimes I forget, okay? It's okay, but I won't forget for you, don't worry. Thank you. But you know what? He came to the rescue. It's his job as a man, okay? Then I sent you the moth meme. And then Allison sent me the moth meme that I hate. I hate the moth meme so much. It's so funny. Anyway. So, as I was looking into this week's story, I consulted a very fun list of the top legends per state. Incidentally, Allison, did you know that Utah has a quote-unquote cursed petrified forest in Escalante? I have heard that, but only because I also looked up that exact same article. (laughs) So apparently, for our listeners at home, if you take any petrified wood from this area, which, like, leave no trace when you're out in nature, come on, guys. But if you take any wood from this area, bad things like broken bones, deaths, thing like that, happen to, until you return this wood. So mm-hmm. people, like, mail this petrified wood back, and they have, like, a collection of this shit of, like, yo, this piece of wood broke my collarbone. Here, enjoy. <laughs> Incredible. But anyway... As I was looking through this list, I came across West Virginia's. And Allison, this week, I will be facing my fears once again on this podcast. And I will be telling you about the American monster legend, the Mothman. And you'll be facing your fears on your terms. I think that's what's. uh, I'm not forcing you to look down the barrel of a smoking jet engine. (laughs) You're doing something on your own terms here. So amazing. Okay. First things first, Allison. Yeah. Have you ever been to West Virginia? I've driven through. I took a picture of the sign and then wrote above that picture, country roads take me home. So yes, I've been and I made a horrible joke. And while I was driving through West Virginia, which was beautiful, I did listen to that song a few times. Mm -hmm. But I've never explored, but I did go to a rest stop there to go pee. I have also, that is about the exact same experience that I have with West Virginia. I also have peed at a rest stop in West Virginia and driven through it. Oh, that cute. Yeah, it was a very scary rest stop. I'm not going to deny it. We'll get into that story later. Bye. So West Virginia has, like, a lot of dense forest land, right? And it's, like, in the Appalachian Mountains, uh, lots of dense green, a lot of ticks. Think, like, Hunger Games, District 12, Mm. but, like, sands, like, the dystopian, like, culture, you know. Anyway, so, like like I said, I have been to West Virginia uh, there was last summer we went to a wedding in Ohio, but we flew into Philadelphia to visit Brendan's best friend Lucas and uh, his at the time girlfriend, and we all drove to Ohio from Philadelphia. And part of that was going through a little tiny corner of West Virginia, Mount Mama, Mount Mama, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we got out at this rest stop because I like thought I was going to explode. I had to pee so bad, but it was like. One of those rest stops that you're like, this has been on Dayline. This rest stop has for sure been on Dayline. It was like one of those casino slash rest stop, like slash trucker stops, slash all of the thing. Terrifying. So me and Lucas's at the time girlfriend, we like go into the restroom and we like say to the boys, we're like, if we are not back 
in five minutes you start calling us okay mm-hmm. so we're like we are gonna get trafficked <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we go into this restroom there's like a woman in the restroom that is clearly not sober and it was a whole thing and we both like peed and we're terrified and then we come back out and the car is gone <gasps> what <laughs> the two boys are nowhere to be found and it's like a bright blue car that we drove there in and we were like what so then we are walking around the exterior of this rest stop that just has like decrepit cars that clearly have not moved in like two years just like parked and we were like we're literally like they've left us we're literally like about to be murdered it's this is what's happening and then we like walk around the corner we've like circled it once and then finally we get them to answer the phone because that's the other thing is they're not answering the phone finally we get them to answer the phone and they're like oh yeah we just like moved to this parking spot over here and they were like parked behind some of their cars it was a whole thing that was my only experience with West Virginia. And then we drove through Ohio, and Ohio was its own thing. Anyway. My car broke down in Ohio. Oh, so you know. But some really nice people helped me fix it, even though it was, it was even, I'm not to, not to interrupt your story, but. Oh, you're good. After hours, they towed me to their shop. They fixed it, even though his baby was crying and the baby had cancer. It was literally the saddest story I've ever heard in my life. But they, like, helped me so much, and I owe them everything. So it was either that or, like find a motel yeah anyway so they were the best and i had somewhere to be that night i was staying with somebody in kentucky and so anyway ohio could have been bad it was okay but my car did break down there yes but west virginia all i remember are just country roads and they sure did take me home they did they did so i posted that song on my instagram story in case you're wondering like an hour and a half ago except for the rendition they play at texas roadhouse where every country singer ever sings it yeah and the music video is terrible because it's like this CGI filled of wheat grass that Ew. looks horrible. So anyway, if you've ever seen that music video, I'm so sorry, but you know exactly what I'm talking yes. about. So, I'd like you to imagine for a moment, if you will, mm-hmm. that you were a grave digger. <laughs> a little triggering. <laughs> I've only done that once before. I, I forgot <laughs> about that. How did I forget about the turn? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a story I tell on the pod, or is that one that we leave for okay. later? <laughs> I say you tell it, and then if you feel like it doesn't fit, take it out, and we can tell it later. Okay, well, <laughs> for everyone on the pod, um, I went to Peru studying abroad in 2018, okay? And I was all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, a little cultural anthropology student. And one of the things you're taught is to get as far, like, get immersed in other people's cultures as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so here's what I did. On the very first day there, me and a handful of other students went and explored the town that we were in, Juan Chaco, which was really beautiful. There was this gorgeous church on a hill there that overlooked the sea. And so we all walked up to that church together and we're looking around and there is this gorgeous cemetery by the church. Mm -hmm. And we're walking through the cemetery and I look to my right and I see, you know, shovelfuls of dirt kind of flying up into the air and that's all I can see. So I kind of wander over there and there are these two men digging a grave and I kind of start talking to them in my broken Spanish as best as I could and I kind of you know told them I was like yeah like I'm a student here blah 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 blah. and I was kind of looking at the grave because 
listen, I've never seen anybody dig a grave before. Have you? Yeah. Have you? Well, because they do it in America. They use a backhoe. <laughs> exactly. And so they were hand digging this grave. And the way they were doing it was really interesting. They had, like, bricks lining the sides to keep it from caving in. Like, it was really interesting. And then I was kind of looking at it. And then they kind of looked at me. And then I looked at them. And then looked at the grave. And then they looked at me. And then at the grave. And then at me. And I was like, sure. And so I jumped in. And they gave me a shovel. And then one of them <laughs> took my phone and was, like, taking photos of me doing it. And so I have these photos of me digging some random woman's grave in Peru. Mm-hmm. And naturally, as one does. And I was like, listen, cultural anthropology, I'm here to try something completely new. And guess what? I have never, nor will I ever dig a human grave. So I was here for it. So I jumped in, did it. Everybody, all of my fellow students were watching from across the cemetery. Like, what the fuck is she doing in a grave? <laughs> and. Anyway, so those photos do exist. And so after a few shovelfuls and a few photos, they helped me out and they're all laughing. They thought it was a great time. You know, we, we uh, exchange pleasantries and then I leave. And to be fair, my professor was like, well done for immersing yourself in the culture. And I was like little teacher's pet for the night. Okay. Well, a few days later at my hostel, there was this woman. She was cleaning my room while I was in there and I cannot stand awkward silences and I would rather speak in a different language than have an awkward silence and so I was talking to her in Spanish and I was asking her her favorite places around the town and she was like oh I love the beach I love this place I love this place oh also I love the church and the cemetery there is beautiful and I was like oh man like (laughs) I just went there the other day and you took this really funny picture and I'm talking like I'm stupid because I fucking am I'm this is the dumbest thing I've ever done and I was like, I took this really funny picture. Do you want to see it? And she was like, yeah. And so I showed her the photo of me digging a grave. And in the background, you can see the smiling face of one of the men that was in the grave with me watching this fucking gringa, you know, dig a few shovelfuls. And anyway, as soon as she sees this picture, she like drops her broom and like braces herself on the wall and is like clutching her chest hyperventilating sobbing and i'm like what the fuck just happened and she was looking at the picture and then at me and was just like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry those are my cousins the men in the photo are my cousins and that's my aunt's grave oh and we just finished burying her yesterday and apparently her and her aunt were very close. Of course. And she was like, I'm sorry, just to be by surprise, I'm not mad. And I, of course, felt horrible and started sobbing. And all I couldn't think of how to say anything I wanted to say in Spanish. And so I just started kind of like grunting and crying and like waving my hands in the air, not knowing what to do. And somebody, the door was open to my room and she was crying and I was crying. And then one of the students that was also with us heard these noises coming from my room and i just hear her peek around the corner like just forehead and two eyes that's it and i grab her because she is fluent in spanish because she's she uh did the mission in ecuador yeah i grab her without asking if it was okay pull her in the room and was like translate for me this instant and i made her translate how horrible i felt how sorry i was and that they invited me in there's this whole thing and then she was like i that's when i learned the word tranquila which means calm the fuck down because like she had calmed down i was not okay and so she kept telling me like tranquila tranquila like basically you're fine if anything you honored her spirit which is giving me way too much credit like she was so nice to me about it and i did not deserve that so anyway and after that i, I had like four more weeks in that hostel and every fucking time 
I we passed each other in the halls. It was just this like sheepish smile, and then I looked at the ground and kept going because yeah. like what do you say? Like there was this weird, and I tried to like get her a card, but apparently like colorful cards are very like offensive, and I didn't know that about the culture. And then I tried to bring her flowers, but then. Um, in that culture, you leave flowers at the grave. You don't give them to the grieving person because the flowers are for the dead. And so I just could not make amends with this poor woman. Anyway, and so I felt terrible. And the word to the wise, if you're just, – just don't dig anyone's grave ever. <laughs> ever. If it's not your job as a grave digger – don't and take someone's invitation to dig some random person's grave and take a picture and then show pictures to people because you love attention. You will hurt a poor maid in Peru. <laughs> so that's my story. That's just, I can't for a second imagine that I've okay. been a grave digger because I've been there. And I don't recommend it. And also, I just real quick, not to make this even longer than it needed to be. But that night, I was so upset. I called you on, like, WhatsApp. Yes. And I poured me, myself, the tallest glass of wine. <gasps> I forgot about this. The tallest glass of wine. I'm glad that you can, like, back up this story because it's unbelievable. I poured myself the tallest glass of wine, Pinot Grigio, like we're drinking now, and was walking around outside under, like, this big tree. And <laughs> all of a sudden... I had only taken like one or two sips, okay? And then all of a sudden, all this wine sloshes onto my wrist. And I look down, and a bird had shit directly <laughs> into my wine glass. The ant spirit came back and said, That's and for you. That's exactly. And listen, I looked at it, looked at the tree, looked at it again, and was like, That's fair. I am not even mad. Like, I just wasted all of this wine, and I cannot even be upset because that was completely deserved. It was absolutely unhinged. I remember being on the phone with you when that happened, and it was so funny as a secondhand person oh, and for the rest of my time at that hostel which was again four more weeks you had to go to the kitchen and ask to get wine glasses or anything and so like 10 minutes after they gave me that wine glass that was full of wine when they saw it i came back and asked for a new one and they were like why and i had to tell them that a bird shit in it and then they started cackling they thought it was the funniest thing they ever heard and for the rest of my stay there every time i'd go and ask for a wine glass which was every night forgive me they would be like don't let a bird shit in it this time and i was like you got that anyway and so that's my story of digging a grave and karma instant karma getting me back immediately which it always seems to do incredible So anyway, the Mothman. Okay, so anyway, you're imagining that you're a grave digger, but not in Peru. I'm triggered, but yeah. You're a grave digger in West Virginia. And it's my job. And it's your job. Okay. <laughs> it's late. You've been digging graves all day. And there is dirt all over you. Uh-huh. You're in a graveyard. So the vibes are a little creepy. Yep. And suddenly, you and your fellow grave digger look up, and there is a being of some sort flying above you mm, it's too big to be a bird it doesn't have any feathers but it has wings you look at your fellow grave digger and get the fuck out of dodge before this humanoid <laughs> being comes back you decide to keep the story to yourself for now who would believe two grave diggers digging at night maybe they'd imagined it this is what it was like for two unnamed grave diggers who were the first reported sighting of point pleasant west virginia's infamous mothman what year was this we're going to get into that. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but very scary. So, shortly after this, on November 15th, 1966, so similar to how we're living now, laws-wise. <coughs> Actually, I think Roe versus Wade was codified in 1964. 
I could be making that up. Don't look at me. No political, my, my political science listeners. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, on November 15th, 1966, two young couples in the same town as these gravediggers, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Mattel, or Ma- Mallet, Mallet, excuse me, were casually hanging out in the woods and allegedly drag racing down a narrow strip of straight road near a TNT munitions factory <laughs> in West Virginia. Like TNT as in like what like, Wiley Coyote blow, like, yes, blows up like explosives. With. Oh my god. Suddenly, a creature with glowing red eyes and a humanoid form stood over them and scratched the top of the car they were in. The two couples sped away as quickly as they could and claimed the creature followed them at speeds upwards of 100 miles an hour until they hit the town where they immediately went to a sheriff's office to file a report. They told police they saw a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red when the car's headlights picked it up. They described it as a large, quote, large flying man with 10-foot wings, unquote, who was clumsy on the ground but traveled in high speeds in the air. Roger Scarberry was famously quoted in a news article about the event, saying, If I had seen it while by myself, I wouldn't have said anything, but there were four of us who saw it, unquote. After this incident, others in the town began to report more sightings all around the town. But particularly in and around the TNT factory, two volunteer firemen who saw it said it was a, quote, large bird with red eyes, unquote. And Mason County Sheriff George Johnson commented that he believed the sightings were due to an unusually large heron he termed a shite poke, end quote. <laughs> shite poke. That's the worst name for anything I've ever heard. Wait, is that an insult? I have no clue is that, what like, that means. Is that like scoundrel? Someone or? from the East Coast, please explain. I've never heard that in my life. Contractor Newell Partridge told Johnson that when he aimed a flashlight at a creature in a nearby field, its eyes glowed like bicycle reflectors. Additionally, he blamed the buzzing noises from his television set and and the disappearance of his German shepherd dog on the creature. The Gettysburg Times, a newspaper in the area, reported an additional eight sightings in the first three days after the incident with the two couples. While papers around the area were fairly skeptical, they still reported the description as being a man-like creature. An unknown author coined the name for this monster as the Mothman because of the popularity of the Batman TV series at the time. In the comic books the show was based on, Mothman was a character featured often in the series, but not in the actual like television series. Um, the name stuck and has been used ever since. Now, I would like to say, this man is not described as a moth. <laughs> Yeah, where did that come from? Like they like in other reports, they, it's described as like not having feathers. It's described more as a bat, but yeah. I feel like there was like some weird, like trademark laws. I like, think isn't it the head? Because how it doesn't have shoulders. But they've never seen the face. It, they only know it has red eyes. AKA, but like moths have red eyes, and I guess they don't really have shoulders. I'm sorry to bring you back to that, but we gotta. Allison is there groans when she dusty. takes a shot. I groan when she describes moths. Yeah, to me. It's for fine. real. <clears throat> you recovered. Much I can better. like I can like taste oh. the dust in my mouth. Never right mind. Now. Never I mind. I was gonna say you recovered better than me, but clearly you haven't. Cannot. Yeah. Just Ugh. there it is. <laughs> Another gag. Yeah. It's basically the exact same thing. Actually. My mouth is like literally filling with saliva to make it go away. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I cannot right you now. Have wine under your chair, my friend. It's now in the cat tree. Oh, in the cat tree. <laughs> I'm using a cat tree right now as my wine holder. Anyway, as more residents in the town began to have sightings, the more the story held on. The TNT factory on the outskirts of town already held some local intrigue. Because naturally, it's a story that I'm writing, so it all has to go back to the Cold War. 
<laughs> it had been a munitions factory during World War II and had been one of the factories involved in manufacturing parts for the atomic bombs. Since World War II, it had gone into disuse and been abandoned. Local teenagers and people who had sightings of the Mothman in the area noticed that pigeons were occupying all of the buildings except for one. And in that one, the Mothman was allegedly seen a few times. So the theory was the Mothman was living in one of these buildings and eating pigeons or the pigeons were like absolutely fuck that that is an apex predator or the pigeons also hate moths i have never seen a pigeon and a moth be friends and i doubt you have either never so science exactly I just this hypothesis. exactly people thought that it had potentially mutated from the contaminated river water in the area mm-hmm. the factory had their outflow of chemicals going straight to the ohio river it has since been cleaned up fyi I have no clue. I, like, read about this in several different places that I will list at the end, and they just mentioned that they cleaned up the river. I don't know how that works, but it was so, it was so bad at one point that there was, like, a chemical coming out of the, like, the factory waste, even after the factory was closed, that they call it blood water. It's, like, the chemical, when it's mixed with, like, stream water, turns, like, a blood red, almost, like... God. In like the Prince of Egypt style, when <laughs> God turned the river to blood, Jesus. Um, and so there was like because it was red, like there was theories that like it had come from there. Others claimed that it was just a lost crane species known to have red eye sockets, which, ew. <laughs> and others claimed it was a Cold War a- alien from Russia, as it was the late sixties. So naturally, what else would they think it is? All this speculation continued until a tragic day in 1967. On December 15th, almost exactly, or actually exactly 13 months after the first sighting of the Mothman, the silver bridge that connected Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where all these sightings were happening, to um, Gallipolis, Ohio, was experiencing unprecedented amounts of traffic. Due to a cracked beam, the whole thing collapsed into the river below, killing 46 people and injuring many more. This terrible event had been preceded by a public sighting of the Mothman flying over the bridge the day before. While the town mourned the loss of life, the legend of the Mothman as a harbinger of death and destruction was solidified. In the year leading up to the destruction, this destruction, over a hundred people had reported sightings of the Mothman and many others claimed to have seen him without reporting. Mm. So in 1975, with all of this fame, an author by the name of John Keel wrote a book about the legendary figure titled The Mothman Prophecies. It would later become a movie in 2002. The book was more focused on Mothman's potential extraterrestrial origins than anything else, but it did spur a cult of followers from around the world that now descend on Point Pleasant every year for the annual Mothman Festival. It is estimated to have between 15 to 17,000 participants every year, and it brings in $2 million in one weekend to this small town. Can we go? Yeah, we can go to the Mothman Festival. And we can spend $2 million in one weekend? Um, I don't have $2 million. Do you have $2 million? I have a credit card. Hell yeah. So I'm maxed out in about $2,000, but yeah, let's right. do it. <laughs> I love it. The Mothman sightings seemed to stop being isolated in Point Pleasant, but began popping up elsewhere after the bridge collapse. Some famous alleged sightings include in the days prior to the Chernobyl catastrophe, 9-11, a Moscow apartment bombing in 1999, and there were 57 reported sightings in Chicago in 2017. Of the Mothman in Chicago? Of the Mothman. 
Yes. Ooh, crossing state lines, B. I know. Wait, so like, was he seen in New York before 9-11? Yes, like, in the days before 9-11, there were sightings of, like, a creature that they referred to as the Mothman. Interesting. So, Same but with... in those states? Yes, in New York City. Oh, interesting. Like, around. There's, like, a picture that I saw in one of the articles that I was reading that has, like, the Twin Towers, and then, like, it looks like there's, like, a dark figure, and people claim that that's the Mothman. A plane? Not one of the planes. The planes <laughs> already crashed. Okay, wait. So, can you imagine being the Mothman and just you're doing some sightseeing in Chicago? You see the Bean. You're gonna go see the legendary Twin Towers, and then all of a fucking sudden, you get blamed for like the worst terrorist attack in the United States. So that's States. what's interesting is nobody blames the Mothman for these things. He's just like the announcement that something bad is going to happen. Is that worse? I don't know. <laughs> it's just like that you are just like your your presence at a party is like that devastating. Where it's just like, oh fuck, Jess is here. Someone someone or someone's grandmother is about to die tonight. Yeah. Like you Not better good. all get a ride home in the Uber, but that won't even matter because a meteor will come and take you the fuck out on the highway. Yeah, so seriously. Jeez Louise. I know. And the Russians have really latched on to this concept of the Mothman. Like they really love this concept over there. Scapegoat. Yes. Exactly. Thank you. So, sightings as recently as 2017. I didn't look to see if there were any past 2017. The 57 sightings in Chicago in the course of, like, a month was, like, a very big deal. So, he's still out in large. We also don't know if he's a he, so my apologies if we're misgendering you, Mothman. Like, please, my apologies. So, while many biologists have come up with logical explanations for these sightings, most commonly is this crane species or an owl because there's a barn owl that is local to the West Virginia kind of area that has extra blood vessels in the back of its eyes that when you shine a light on them, it looks like glowing red. So, there's also a report of a teenager at the time of, like, that year, 1966-1967, that had a very expensive Halloween costume, and he thought it was really fun to scare the shit out of people. Yeah. But that does not explain the 100-mile-an-hour chase that happened for those four people. Also, real fast, an owl. Did you know that an owl, like, owls have legs? Yes, I did. Under all that fur? Yes. So what if it's just, like, an owl with mange or the equivalent of mange for feathered creatures, where yeah. they, like, lose all of their fur? So it's like a naked owl. But can owls fly without feathers? I think, and nobody quote me on this. Okay, don't the, like, hollow bones of birds help them fly more? But, like, the feathers more help with, like, getting, like, water off of them. That's why they're all greasy and shit. I don't know. I don't know anything about birds. Um, But, (laughs) anyway. I have also. (laughs) T-shirt, t-shirt concept. I have, just start a committee and you have, I don't know anything about birds. (laughs) That's exactly, except for that they're pretty, and then I know I learned that owls have legs, which was the cutest and weirdest mm-hmm. discovery of all time. Like, you pull up their fluff like they're bloomers. It's so adorable. Very cute. So, I mean, it could just be, like, the biggest owl of all time without feathers flying around, but yeah. with bat wings. So, I mean, does it make sense? Absolutely not. It doesn't make sense. But but, here, but I mean, that's the thing, is biologists are like, there are there's a species of crane that's huge. That's probably what was up. Like, they're in West Virginia. It was probably this crane that got lost on a migration. But, like, year-round, for, like, a full year. This crane got crane. lost in a migration and just hung out in West Virginia. Like, they heard that song. Mountain Mama. And were just, like, country roads. I am home. And they, like. <laughs> but the only thing that bothers me about that is cranes have really long necks. Yeah. And Mothman, as far as I know, does not have a neck. Yeah, he's very hunched. I mean, me too. But, like. 
I don't look like a crane. Yeah, I know. That's what's really well, and like they said that it scuttled off into a field. Like <laughs> scuttled. It, it was described as not being very graceful on the ground. <laughs> Me, Me <too>. neither. <laughs> so, are we the Mothman? Maybe. Maybe. You've never seen me and the Mothman in the same room. Hmm, interesting. That's fair point. So, to the town of Point Pleasant and the people around the world, some people have just held on to this myth of the Mothman as a prophesier akin to the Simpsons television show of bad things, etc. And also, the town of Point Pleasant, they make a bag off of this. They've got a museum, they got a festival, oh, uh-huh. it's themed, it's great. As they should. Tourism. It's good. So, and that, my dear friend, is the quick and dirty legend of Mothman, a Cold War monster, TNT manufacturing plant resident, and generally creepy dude. Oh, that's it. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the quick and dirty? Quick and dirty. I told you it wasn't very long. Oh, that. That's interesting. I it also, you know, dives into, like, all of the different animals that it could be, and then that I felt that felt about boring to me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And you know what I've heard is that the Mothman, it doesn't it like communicate in just high screeches? Didn't, didn't read anything about its screeching noises. But I mean, again, fair. But yeah, that would be pretty insane. Yeah. And I, I think it's so interesting, you know, how the correlation with the bridge disaster and all the other, and like 9 11, because like no other cryptids were really seen before yeah. any of those things. Exactly. So, my sources are the Wikipedia page t- titled Mothman, an article from Paranormal West Virginia titled The Legend of Mothman by Shayla Klein, an all things interesting article titled Just Mothman, and a excellent PBS YouTube video mm. titled Monstrum's YouTube episode, Mothman America's Notorious Wing Monster. Heard that. Nice. And also, my own brain. <laughs> definitely well done jess the mothman is i think i considered doing the mothman but i was like i know that's just because i want to talk about the bridge disaster so i made myself doing something completely different see and and i did it to face a fear of moths and i didn't enjoy it at all but how do you feel better i'm doing okay i mean considering the fact that it's more just called a mothman where it's like yeah. it, there really isn't much making it look like a moth other than it's no potentially red eyes yeah exactly exactly it's it's it is what it is and you know i guess there's a great museum so if you're ever in point pleasant west virginia go to the museum if you've had a mothman sighting i wouldn't be surprised if i was in logan canyon and mothman showed up you would not i would not be surprised. oh no me neither logan canyon is cursed absolutely cursed I hate being there. If nice. you, okay, this is genuine. I know that we always put in a request for like content, but like if you have any crazy Logan Canyon stories, we would absolutely love to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, please. <laughs> please. It's it's a cursed place. Absolutely. We'll do an episode on Logan Canyon. Oh, we should. A special a special request. Great. <laughs> All right, Jess, well, I got some more wine and I peed, and I want to again thank you for your riveting story of the Mothman. So my cat will be coming in and out of the room because he doesn't know what he wants, which is fair because neither do I, but Jess, ow, this story is set in Scotland, and I'm positive you can guess what it is. Please tell me it's the Loch Ness Monster. It is. Yes, bitch! We're learning about the Loch Ness Monster today. Sounds great. With me being Scottish heritage, I figured that this was a great a great reach yes. into some wonderful history. So, I want you to know that I almost did the Bear Lake Monster. 
You did? <laughs> there wasn't enough to, like, write, but, like, how funny would that Is there, been? like, any proof of the bear leg monster? No. Okay. It was, it's a ripoff of Nessie, the OG. So, my sources for this, an article by the Vintage News, our girl Wikipedia, of course, which I use more than I normally do in this, so that's unusual, but, um... A History.com YouTube video by Monster Quest, Season 3, Episode 1. I got a lot of great information from that. It was super dramatic and funny, but it was still, you know, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Britica- uh, Britacanica, is that how you say it? Britacanica, article by Amy Takanen, mm-hmm. and an article by the Scotsman newspaper. And there's one more uh, source, but I'm going to save that for later. Okay. Okay. So, Jess, what's awesome. up? You know, I went to Scotland uh, this winter for my birthday, and I had a great time. Yeah. And I saw a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. One of the things I did not get to see was Nessie, mm-hmm. the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. You and many other people. This is true, yes. But it is one of the biggest tourist attractions in Scotland, mm-hmm. especially in the Scottish Highlands. They bring in, like, oh, I should have written this. Sorry, I should have written this down, but it was, like, $86 million a year just from revenue from people coming to visit the Loch Ness Monster. Okay, don't I, tell Point Pleasant that. They're only raking in $2 million, okay? I sure won't. Um, and then I, uh, my cat's getting into a sh- uh, shopping bag. Sorry. Um, a reusable one, thank you. I won't suffocate him. It's still plastic, but there's holes in it. Anyway, so... <laughs> Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. located in Scotland. I'm pretty sure I drove past Loch Ness, but I was so busy on that drive trying not to fucking die every single second i was on the road mm-hmm. driving on the other side on the opposite side of the car i was also driving a manual mm-hmm. so i was shifting with my other hand it was a whole thing and it was i was fighting for my life every time i was on that road so if i drove past loch ness i didn't have time to stop and i also didn't see the loch ness monster but i figured it was time to talk about one of the most famous and mysterious mysterious ladies of all time yes. nessie can i interrupt you for just one moment? i wish you would so when i was in middle school Prior to our close friendship, mm-hmm. my best friend was a woman named Madeline. I guess she was a girl at the time, but she is now a woman named Madeline. The one I know? Yes. Hi, mm-hmm. Madeline. Hi, Madeline. And she and I would get on these, like, very interesting obsessions. She's also the person that was obsessed with um, the Yellowstone caldera. Like, she was, she was also on that train with me. But there was a whole period where we thought about writing a Loch Ness Monster book. And she got a degree in creative writing from a local university. And I'm, like, fairly positive one of the last times I checked in that she was working on a children's book about Loch Ness Monster. But we were obsessed. Like, we had, like, a whole section in our notebook about Loch Ness Monster proof. We spent, like, several weeks researching the Loch Ness Monster. So I, if you had not done this, I would have done this. So I'm very excited. I cannot wait. While in Scotland, I did buy a figurine of Nessie. (gasps) Can I see it? Where is it? It's in a box somewhere in the garage. I did not unpack any of my things. I'm so sorry about it. Oh, she's still melting. She is melting. She's still not looking at me. Do you have a picture? <laughs> I can show you. I'll find it for you. Okay. But it's, like, it's basically four pieces, and it's, like, a head, and it looks like it's, like, coming in and out of the table. Oh! oh that's so cute! It's pretty cool. I'll send you a picture of it whenever I set up my apartment, whenever I get one, maybe, eventually. But, okay. So, in today's world, I personally have a lot of respect for the Loch Ness Monster, because, like... I kind of just want to go to a lake in Scotland and only be seen once every decade or so. Yeah. And that's what she does all day, every day. Well, all decade or all year, every year. Do not perceive me and tell us on my terms. Absolutely. And Nessie is here for that. She is here for that. I want to snap, but she doesn't have fingers. She has flippers. So 
all of you have there it is the little seal clap so all of you have likely heard about the Loch Ness Monster who I will now refer to as Nessie and that is not to be confused with the nickname given to Renesme, the literal infant that Jacob fell in love with in Twilight you named my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster yeah precisely which is one of my favorite scenes that and when Bella tackles the mountain lion uh, it is so funny. Me and my mom, the first time we saw that, we, we were peeing ourselves laughing so hard because it, it's so bad. But anyway. So, Nessie is a creature in Scottish folklore that is said to inhabit Loch Ness in the Scottish Highlands. And just so you know, Loch means lake in Gaelic, so it's just a lake. Mm-hmm. And Nessie is often described as being large-bodied, long-necked, and... <laughs> And with one or more humps protruding from the water. Again, every time, I, not that I can do a backstroke, and not that I have humps, but you know what I mean. Maybe you, if you did a backstroke, because you got some... I do have massive tits, thanks for noticing. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't. So, there is no freshwater aquatic creature in existence today, at least not in Scotland, that is said to have these features or anything in that particular lake that could be of similar size. Like, mm-hmm. there's fish in that lake, there's like... I think it was, like, trout and, like, eels and a few other fish. But, like, there's nothing that could be that long or with that kind of Mm -hmm. presence. And so, a bit about Loch Ness. It is the largest volume of freshwater in Great Britain with a depth of 788 feet, Mm -hmm. which is two and a half football fields. Jesus. Yep. And a length of 23 miles, which is 404.8 football fields. Just so you know. So, basically, she, like, deep, deep, and she, like, long, long. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, we love her. Just like your vagina. <laughs> I really only had, like, chips for lunch. And I'm drunk. <laughs> You're drinking wine? Do you need something else? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, again, like my vagina, there's a lot of places to hide if you were a monster. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, let's just dive right into it like the monsters do into my pussy and let's just dive right in with the first nessie encounter okay yes so on august 22nd 564 which is apparently a year which i can't comprehend i grew up christian so i can comprehend that i don't like it 564 how does anything exist but anyway i mean jesus had been dead for 500 years so yeah understood okay 564 yes ad which is after dude right yes okay i don't know what it actually sounds for um prior to the de-christianization of history it was after death it was before christ and after death but now it's bce and ADE, and I don't remember what the E stands for, like, something about time recording. Got it. So, I like to think of it as after dude, meaning Christ. hmm And then if you do ADE, it's after dude AO, and that's what we'll be calling it. So, August 22nd, 564 after dude AO. hmm Some... What was that? After okay, that? sorry. No, you know now. So, the BCE now stands for Before the Christian Era. So... And then AD apparently stands for adverse drug effect. That's unhelpful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. AD stands for the Latin phrase, Anno Domini. (laughs) Anno Domini. (laughs) 
the which means the year of our lord so the ad has not been dechristianized but the bce kind of heard that okay great well either way this was an upsettingly long time ago Mm -hmm. like such a long time ago okay Mm -hmm. and so there are some historians that say irish monk saint columba reported seeing nessie in loch ness scotland Mm -hmm. he was staying in the land of the picks uh, with his companions when he encountered local residents burying a man by the river Ness. And much like me in the cemetery in Peru, he approached them. And I don't know if he asked to dig the grave, but <laughs> he did. He was like, hey, what the what, what the heck's going on? You know, because he's nosy, just like me. And the men digging the grave, they explained that the man that had died was swimming in the river, which is the lock, but I think back then they called it a river. Mm-hmm. But He was swimming in the river when he was attacked by a water beast that mauled him and dragged him underwater despite their attempts to rescue him by boat. And I just imagine they're in the, like, stupidest boats of all time. Yeah. You know? Anyway, and so Columba sent a follower. I want to say Linguini, but it's L-U-I-G-N-E. Sure. Let's call him Linguini. Um, He's dead. He can haunt me if he wants. Actually, that's not an invitation. Please don't haunt me. I believe in ghosts. All right, so... Columbo sent a follower, we'll call him Linguini Moko Min, which is the best name ever, to swim across the river. And, I mean, I wonder how he got that job. Was he the most hated? Did he draw, like, the short straw? But, like, he was, like... Did he brag about how well he could swim to, like, get attention? And then, and then they were, up? like, great. <laughs> and so, basically, Columbo was, like, hey, you, either I hate you, either you drew the short straw, or you think you're a great swimmer. Let's put this to the test. I'm going to make you his bait. Yeah. So he sent the son of a bitch to swim across the river. And sure enough, the beast approached him. But Columba really came into clutch and made the sign of the cross and said, Go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back at once. The creature stopped as if it had been, quote, pulled back by ropes and fled. And of course, everyone and their fucking dog was like, Whoa, that was a total miracle, man. Thank you so much for that. Totally appreciate it. That's a quote from um the bible just so everybody knows <laughs> and so the next official sighting comes John 312. <laughs> <laughs> what is it columba 420 um so the next <laughs> allison you're so funny <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. thank you so much <laughs> so the next official sighting comes just a couple few million whatever thousand years later in october of 1871 i didn't do the math for how many football fields that is but it's like like over 17,000 years later when a guy who just went by the name D McKenzie who is very much likely a distant relative of mine thank you because I am of the McKenzie clan thanks so much so apparently a man by D McKenzie reportedly saw a, an object resembling a log or an upturned boat quote wriggling and churning up the water moving slowly at first before disappearing at a faster speed and honest to God, if not for it being in the 1800s or the fact that it disappeared quickly, I would assume that he just saw me swimming and fucking drowning. Because as we all know, I can't swim. And I imagine I look like a log or maybe a small canoe upturned and wriggling and churning in the I water. I watched you swim. You're more graceful than you give yourself Well, my body for. sinks, so I guess all you see is my head. That's fair. Because okay, I... This is the perk about gaining weight. As somebody who's gained weight in the last two years... I float so well now. Really? Yes. I mean, I, I've definitely gained a couple pounds since being back here. The boobs just float. The boobs aren't coming in for me. It's just the tummy and the thighs. So I'm waiting for those to hit. But anyway, we'll see here. So 
So basically, he saw me swimming, or trying to at least. And, but fun fact, that account, even though that happened in 1871, that account was not published until 1934. Interesting. Yeah, when he sent his story in a letter to Rupert Gold uh, shortly after popular interest in the monster increased. So he he uh, was in the monster closet for a minute. Okay, wait. So what year did he see the monster again? 1871. Okay. And it wasn't until 1934. Oh my gosh, Amelia Earhart was doing cool things flying then. She so was, and so was Nessie in the water. But, like, flying in the water, you know? Mm-hmm. So nice. So, the next one was in 1888... There's a man named Alexander McDonald who cited, quote, <laughs> a large stubby-legged animal surfacing from the lock and propelling itself within 50 yards of the shore where, where McDonald stood. And so McDonald reported his sights to Loch Ness Water Baliff, B-A-I-L-I-F-F, Baliff? Yeah. Baliff? Sure. Ba- jazz. Okay. To Loch Ness Water Baliff, Alex Campbell, and described the creature as looking like a salamander. Okay. Here's the thing. Nobody, and I mean nobody, can be mad at Nessie for not showing herself because, like, if every time I left the house for some fresh air, I got described as, like, like, damn, look at that large, stubby-legged animal with salamander energy, I would never leave my house. I'd be like, okay, well, go fuck yourself, I guess. Like... (laughs) The vibes are off in this Walmart. Like, she, every time she's seen, she is just roasted. Like, nobody... No, she does not. Nessie, if you're listening to this podcast right now... We love you and we see you. Absolutely. And I mean, we're not even at my favorite sighting of her yet, because let me tell you, they get, it's so funny. So anyway, they're all shitting on her. This is in the 1800s. And so at this point, Loch Ness was well known for likely being home to a fearsome whale-like monster. And because there have been other sightings, of course, that I hadn't reported on, there weren't, that also weren't like official. Yeah. And in 1933, sightings of Nessie really took off. And that's in large part due to the fact that in that year, a road adjacent to the lock was built, offering an unobstructed view of the lake, which again, I'm pretty sure I drove on. But did I look at the lake? No, I was you fighting were... for my life. <laughs> Literally fighting. <laughs> <laughs> so looking, sightseeing was not in the picture. Because if I was like, look at that cool thing, I would immediately be killed in a head-on collusion and sent over the Rainbow Bridge. And I did not want to do that. So, a road was built. I drove it. And didn't see Nessie. But I wasn't seeing anything other than the road ahead of me. And so, the best-known article that first attracted a great deal of attention for Nessie was published on May 2nd, 1933, in the Inverness Courier, about a large beast or a whale-like fish. And... The article is written by Alex Campbell, who discussed a sighting by Aldi McKay. Um, and she said she saw an enormous creature with the body of a whale rolling in the water in the lock while she and her husband, John, were driving on the, on the road on April 15th, 1933. And this is my favorite thing. Apparently, she said, stop the beast while viewing the spectacle. And I like to picture she just raised the back of her hand to her forehead and like <laughs> slumped against the driver you or the passenger never looked side more door. beautiful than right now. Thank you. And then I'm sure that's how she looked too. Where her husband was like, God, I'm so in love with her. Look at her fucking fainting in the passenger side. God. Anyway, so she said, stop the beast, which is what nobody has ever said ever. And so this is a quote from Campbell's article. Quote, the creature disported itself, rolling and plunging for fully a minute, its body resembling that of a whale. And the water cascading and churning like a simmering cauldron 
Soon, however, it disappeared in a boiling mass of foam. Both onlookers confessed that there was something uncanny about the whole thing, for they realized that here was no ordinary denizen of the depths, because, apart from its enormous size, the beast, in taking the final plunge, sent out waves that were big enough to have been caused by a passing steamer. End quote. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for that soliloquy. Yeah. My pleasure. But in the late 1980s, Aldi, the woman who was like, stop it, beast. She was interviewed on the experience again, and she admitted to knowing that there had been an oral tradition of a beast in the lock uh, before her sighting. So we don't know if she made it up or not, or just for like attention or whatever, but whatever, you know. But that leads to my favorite sighting yes. of Nessie. It is so funny to picture. Um, so, and this is when the modern interest of the monster was sparked and it was a sighting that was on july 22nd 1933 when george spicer and his wife saw quote a most extraordinary form of animal end quote and here's the thing i can't do a scottish accent i mean i can but not on the spot so i'm just gonna do what i'm doing so they saw a most extraordinary form of animal cross the road in front of their car they described the creature as having a large body, about four feet high and 25 feet long, and a long, wavy, narrow neck, slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk, and as long as a 10 to 12 foot width of the road. They saw no limbs, and I want you to picture the rest of this happening without limbs, because that's what makes this hysterical to me. So, they saw no limbs... It lurched across the road towards the lock 20 yards away, leaving a trail of broken undergrowth in its wake. Spicer described it as having, quote, the nearest approach to a dragon or prehistoric animal that I have ever seen in my life. And as having a long neck, which moved up and down in the manner of a scenic railway, end quote. Which, what the fuck does that mean? I wonder if it's like the road, like the wheels where it's like... Or if it's just like, I'm, this is a scenic railway. I'm going with the hills. Oh, can trains go uphill? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <He'll> gradually. <laughs> it's like, you know, when Tom is the train or whatever. He's like, I think I can. I think I can. And he's going up a hill. You're right. You're right. I'm not wrong. That is a premise in the Polar Express. I don't say things because I'm wrong. You know this. Okay. So anyway, I just never heard it anything being compared to a scenic railway in my life because yeah, I was born in this century. So... It, it took me and I, I had to take a step back and kind of reflect on that. But apparently this creature had an animal in its mouth and had a body that was fairly big with a high back. <laughs> Sorry. Was fairly big with a high back. But if there were any feet, they must have been of the web kind. And as for a tail, I cannot say as it moved <laughs> so rapidly. And when we got to the spot, it had probably disappeared into the lock. End quote. So... This is also really great. In December 1933, the Daily Mail commissioned a man named <clears throat> Marmaduke Wetherill. <laughs> Marmaduke. Which is the best name I've ever heard in my life. I call that band name. Uh, TM. So they commissioned Marmaduke Wetherill, who I'll be referring to by his full name because I must. Yes. He is a big game hunter and they were like, we need you to locate the sea serpent that these people saw. And mm-hmm. so he did. I like to imagine him in like a full fur cloak thing, like with a shotgun slung over his shoulder the whole bit. Like very mountain man style, right? 
Absolutely. And so he went and explored, and along the lake shore, he found large footprints that he believed belonged to, quote, a very powerful, soft-footed animal about 20 feet long, end quote. However, upon closer inspection, zoologists at the Natural History Museum determined that the tracks were identical and made with an umbrella stand or ashtray that had a hippopotamus leg as a base. Okay, so you know in Harry Potter, in this, when they, like, go to Sirius Black's house... Sure. They have an umbrella stand. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Sounds like that was the same thing. So, like, they just, like, attached a foot to the bottom of it. Yeah, so they, like, put, like, a metal bowl inside a foot and, like, tax- a taxidermied foot. It was, like, a thing. What? Oh, I did not know that. I just yeah, literally could not picture what they meant at all. Like, yeah. It was, like, a rich person thing to, like, have taxidermied animal parts. And that was, like, one of the ways that they did it is because, like, people used to be, like, much more into umbrellas. We live in Utah, so, like, we're a little bit different about the weather here. But, rains, like, like twice a year. in, mm-hmm. you know, places where it rains all the time, umbrellas are a big thing. Like, in Philadelphia, my friends that live there, they all say that they carry an umbrella wherever they go. It's funny because in Oregon, it was almost shameful to have an umbrella. You look like a tourist. Like, you had to have a raincoat instead. That sounds like an Oregonian problem. No, it does. Oregon was very clicky. But any horror. So I'm too good for the rain. Yeah, I love I love the rain though. But anyway, so an umbrella stand or ashtray that had a hippopotamus leg as a base. Don't ask me how they did that. Did he hop on it like a pogo stick? I don't know. Did he hide his own like tracks alongside it? No idea. So those are the tracks he found, and then they zoologists were like, these tracks. Or hippopotamus, like, attached to an umbrella stand. Fuck off. And he was salty about that, and that'll come into play in the next paragraph. But Jess, here's the thing. Now we come to the tender year of 1934. Okay. When the famous photograph of Nessie was taken. Yes. You can picture it, I'm sure. Did you print out a picture? This is it. Oh, I vividly picture this. It's yours now. Thank you. And because we're recording in person, I printed off the images to show you so you can have a visual reference. For those of you that might not know exactly what I'm talking about, I'm sure you can picture it. It's like the most famous picture of Nessie. Yes. It is a black and white picture with a body and a long neck emerging from the water. This is not the first time I've held a printout of this picture. I don't doubt that because it's extremely famous. And so this is known as a surgeon's photograph because the man who took it was reportedly a surgeon and didn't want his name released. But joke's on him. Um, his name is Kenneth, sorry, Robert Kenneth Wilson, and he was a gynecologist in London. So I don't know if that means he was a gynecologist surgeon. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, maybe surgeon's photograph just rang better than gynecologist's photograph, but what do I, I know? know? So for 60 years, the photo was considered evidence of the monster's existence, although skeptics dismissed it as driftwood, an elephant, an otter, or a bird. And... This is what always got me. The elephant? I don't I don't know, man. I don't know. It, I have elephants do, simply don't exist in Europe. Well, they don't exist in Scotland. No. Okay, and there might be I think I read something about a certain like weird species of elephant, but again, if I have never I have never heard of it nor have I ever seen it existing. And so mm-hmm. having like a weird species of ele- elephant existing is like as weird as saying the Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Anyway, so the photo scale is very controversial, and I've always thought that too. And 
It is often shown cropped, making the creature seem large and the ripple and the ripples like waves. And yours, I think, is kind of in the middle where it's not fully cropped, but it's not fully like out as it usually is. And the ripples on the photo were found to fit the size and pattern of small ripples uh, rather than large waves uh, photographed up close. So that's always what I thought whenever I looked at it. I always thought it looked small. Yes, I'd agree with that looking at it now. It looks really small. Yes. And so a recent analysis of the original image further disproved the photo showing that the object looks to be towed or anchored by something, um, t- pulling it through the water. And... It, and the object itself is probably about two to three feet long, which seems not right to me. Mm-hmm. To be specific, in 1994, it was revealed that Wilson's photograph was not only a hoax, but also possibly a revenge-seeking Marmaduke Wetherell supposedly spearheaded the hoax. Oh? Because he was disproven about the whole hippopotamus like footprint thing. I only saw that on one source, but I love the drama. I love the yes, tea. Yes, we're here for it. And I had to add that in, so... The monster turned out, and this is true, to actually be a plastic and wooden head attached to a toy submarine. Oh? There's a tea friend. It's fake. Yeah. But none of us are that surprised, right? No. Okay. However, people were still obsessed with proving Nessie's existence because, again, there had been a million other things. And there had also been a ton of other photos taken. Yeah. Which were eventually disproved. Most of them were, but... particularly a man from london peter kent stated that he was having a special harpoon gun made and that he was going to return to loch ness with some 20 experienced men on august 22nd for the purpose of hunting the monster down Mm -hmm. so that's what humans do best is oh there's something cool let's fucking kill it yeah because we can and so william fraser the chief constable of Inverness wrote back Kent and was like, um, my guy, let's not hunt for the creature because there might be some official government protection established soon. So yeah. you don't want to, you know, you don't want to mess with that. Exactly. And people have been trying to legally protect Nessie for ages. And it actually finally happened in 2001 um, when the Scottish Natural Heritage prepared the quote, partially serious, partially fun <laughs> code. <laughs> of practice for if nessie was captured so basically it says the dna can be taken from any new creature discovered in loch ness but that it has to immediately be released back into the lock unharmed yeah which i'm here for sure like you know get a, little, get a little dna but let it live its life and just this leads to my absolute favorite story i cannot wait I know you can't. I can't wait to tell you. In the 1970s, a group of firemen assumed Nessie was a boy because aren't all amazing cryptids and legends, right? Yeah. You know? The Mothman, all that good stuff, right? Yes, exactly. And so they're like, Nessie's definitely a boy. And they're like, what's the best way that we can lure this male monster out of the lake, Jess? What's the best way? And you guessed it, a 309-foot-long papier-mâché lady monster. Complete with makeup and fake eyelashes. What? Yes. You're so we're, we're in a cartoon, Literally. basically, where they are like luring the male monster, or whatever, with like yoo-hoo, like waving and then like blinking their big false eyelashes. And so that was their goal, and it was made of paper. Okay. Seems like it's not very like water friendly. No, it dissolved in the water, and we'll get to that in a minute. And these are firemen; they should know how paper works. But hey, what do I know? So. And the better, the best thing of all, 
is that, that paper doesn't work in water. Yeah. Because guess what else doesn't work in water? Fire. And what does fire like? Paper. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Better than any of that, the makeup and the fake eyelashes, they were like, let's have it emit this pre-recorded mating call. Right? Okay. Naturally. But it turns out that the mating call is actually that of a male walrus. Right. So, I, I really like to imagine Nessie just filing her fucking flipper nail or whatever, just, like, hanging out in the water, eating a salmon or something, and then all of a sudden, there's a disturbance up at the top of the lake, and she, like, just peeks her eyes out of the water and is like, what the fuck is going on? And then on top of the weird disturbance happening there, she sees what is supposed to be a female Nessie with makeup, which she doesn't know what it is, and fake eyelashes, and what the fuck are those? And it's slowly dissolving in the water. And not only that, she hears it speak in a male walrus voice, saying something like, hey baby, do those flippers go all the way up? You know? (laughs) What's up, girl? And of course it didn't fucking work. Of course she went into the water and was like, I am never surfacing again. I hate it here. You guys all call me Humpy. Mm-hmm. And now you're coming at me with this shit. Oh, 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 you mean you want my stumpy ass out of this fucking water to go? Absolutely <laughs> not. Go fuck yourself. Like, they might as well have put, like, a big black circle on the ground and hope she walked in and fell in. Yes. Like, that's how cartoonish this is. Was there a big grand piano about to drop on her head as she, like, exited the water? Like, it was just the funniest so thing. And, I mean, 309 feet long, like, they put some work yes. into that thing. So. That's a lot. It's a lot of paper. And, I mean, it makes for a great story, so, like, I'm glad they did it. Yeah, thank you so much to these firemen for this comic no, relief. No, for real, but Jesus Christ. So, one of the things, though, that happened is that since the 50s, the sightings have gone down a bit, but there is this guy named Bob Rines, mm-hmm. who is a world-renowned inventor and holder of 80 patents for solar technology, and he was like, I'm a still search. And so... He put all of his expertise to use, and for the last 36 years, he searched the depths of Loch Ness for Nessie. And one of his expeditions in 1975 would result in what I personally think to be the most convincing photo of Nessie ever taken. Okay. It was taken with sonar, and the creature was there in one shot, and then 45 seconds later, it was gone. Yes, there's another printout. Yay! There's another fucking printout. This is the picture he got. (gasps) How have I never seen this before? I know. That's that's literally what I thought. Okay, guys. Look up Bob Ryan's sonar Nessie picture or something like that. Like, Bob R-I-N-E-S. It is so cool and so convincing. And it appears to be a large-bodied animal with flippers and a very long neck bent to the side. The image was analyzed by multiple scientists and experts, including Dr. Alan Gillespie, a professor of Earth and Space Sciences at the University of Washington, and he literally said that the picture was 100% real. Like, oh he God. has looked it over so many times, and they can't find anything wrong with it, and that's including other scientists as well. And when being interviewed about the photographs that were taken that day, he said, quote, whatever they are and whatever they show... They were something under the waters of the lock. Yeah. End quote. So, they're all on board with it, and they can't figure out what it is. But the creature in the images bears a striking resemblance, and this is something that has been thought ever since Nessie sightings were heard, is that it bears a striking resemblance to a supposedly extinct plesiosaur, a long-necked aquatic reptile. Another image. 
Thank you. A long neck aquatic reptile. Uh-huh. And I lost my spot. Wow. Okay. Uh, a long neck aquatic reptile that lived 65 million years ago in the Jurassic period. Yes. It has long since been wondered how something like that could exist today and in Scotland of all places in a freshwater lake because this was like an ocean-dwelling creature yeah. that died literally 65 million years ago. It doesn't make any sense. And basically, what scientists figured out was that over 14,000 years ago, this huge ice age, like, glacier melted over Great Britain and ad- and added water from that raised the ocean levels enough to connect the ocean and the lock. Mm-hmm. And they found, like, evidence of this, like, ocean, like, shells and, like, urchins and all yeah. this that, like, depi- that, that showed the fact that there was marine life in the lock at this time. And so... Basically, it is thought that whatever Nessie is may have swum into the lock then, after the Ice Age glacier melted, and gotten trapped. However, a man named Leslie No of the Sedwick Museum in Cambridge is an expert on the plesiosaur and said something along the lines of, well, this is a quote, The osteology of the neck makes it absolutely certain that the plesiosaur could not lift its head, swan-like, out of the water. End quote. And let me tell you, I saw a video of this guy. He seems so unfun at parties. Like, I was like, I don't want to hear you talk anymore, but I guess you're an expert, so here we go. And he also examined the picture that I just showed you, um, the sonar image that Bob Rines took, and he was basically just like, the flippers look different than that of the fossils of the plesiosaur that I have, and blah, 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 and all that stuff, but... If Nessie really spent all this time in the lake, she and her babies, if she had any, would honestly just evolve like every other species on the planet. So it's not surprising to me that it might look different than the actual fossils because it's been 65 million years. Of course, she looks a bit different. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're allowed to change as a woman. Checkmate, Leslie. Checkmate. (laughs) Not in this day and age, you won't. Okay. So moving on from Leslie. I'm almost done. In 2005, Ryans also did some more sonar research, but he found nothing. And so he interpreted that as meaning that Nessie had likely swam into a watery grave. So he's hoping, if this is the case, that she's somewhere at the bottom of the lock and well-preserved in the five-degree water. And so they started a mission to uncover anything that seemed suspicious and found something that appeared to be the body of a monster resting in the silt. To me, I'm not going to lie, it kind of looks like a funny-shaped log, but it definitely looks like it has a body and a neck. So it could be Nessie, okay. dead Nessie, maybe. Is she alive? Who knows? But a man named Gordon Holmster thinks he knows. Okay. Because on the 26th of May in 2007, he was videotaping the lock when he saw this, quote, jet black thing about 46 feet long moving fairly fast in the water, end quote. And I'm about to show you what it is. Yes, a video. So, hit play. (laughs) And the thing I want you to notice is that he'll zoom in and out, but there's two things. There's one and then there's something behind it because he zooms in and out so you can get... And there's another one. There's another one. There's two. Okay, so you get the idea. Yes. You see it. And y'all can look it up. Um... His name is Gordon Holmes, and it's his footage of the Loch Ness Monster from 2007. I'm sorry. It smells so my cat just took a shit in his litter box, and it smells absolutely terrible. <laughs> I can, like, taste it when I breathe. So, 
Adrian Sh- <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jess. Adrian Shine, a marine biologist at the Loch Ness 2000 Center, described the footage as among, quote, the best footage I have ever seen. Oh my god. End quote. So, the footage was aired all over the news channels like BBC Scotland, the STV News North Tonight, your favorite channel, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And My favorite. Again, like, what I said was really interesting is that there's, like, two shapes in the water, as if there are two creatures swimming together. And... I like to think that that's Nessie and her daughter or her son or her husband or her wife. I don't know, but I like to think that it's Nessie mm-hmm. and her little family. It's so cute. But people were like, no, it's probably just like an otter or a seal or a water bird. But show me the fucking otter, seal, or water bird that's like fucking 10 feet long or whatever. Okay, it's insane. Seriously? So, in 2016, 43-year-old Taurus sightseeing vessel skipper Keith Stewart... <laughs> <laughs> found a crevice about nine miles east of Inverness. Stewart was using state-of-the-art sonar equipment and scanning the bottom of Loch Ness. Mm-hmm. And basically, he found a trench that they didn't know was there before. Oh. And this is what Gary Campbell, the president of Loch Ness Monster Fan Club and Registrar of Sightings, said, quote, We thought the loch was 810 feet deep and just had a 20-foot diameter hole at the bottom. Now we've discovered a whole trench that makes the lock nearly 900 feet deep, which is twice the depth of the North Sea. Oh. End quote. I did not fact check him on that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that that's probably true. And just so you know, Loch Ness is part of a huge earthquake fault line that runs from Canada to Norway. And in 2013, there was a 2.4 magnitude quake in the lock. And apparently around this time, Nessie disappeared for a whole year for the first time since 1925. And so... It could be that the massive tremor opened up the trench, giving the monster a new hiding place. Oh? Mm-hmm. And this leads to my favorite theory, is that there are a vast network of underground tunnels connecting to Loch Ness and all the other lakes and locks in the area, and also connecting to the ocean, allowing Nessie to move about more freely than we think. Mm-hmm. She could be hiding in these tunnels with her family, and I believe there are more than one, based off the shadows and everything. It just makes sense. Yes. And... There's also, I'm sure, likely a network of underground caves that she could live in as well. Yeah. But Jess, that is the story of the Loch Ness Monster, but I want to finish with you giving us a little performance. As people in the pod may or may not know, Jess is a very poetic lady. She ran a poetry website in college for her thingy or whatever you can describe this better than me i i I ran a slam poetry competition group for like two years and so jess has read much poetry in her time i have i've read a lot of poetry what are you about to make me do i would like you to finish us off by doing a dramatic reading rendition of edwin morgan's poem the loch ness monster song i think i can probably do that can you because it was released in 1973 and he wrote it for the monster in the monster's supposed language i cannot wait Oh my god. Keep the punctuation in mind, the question marks, the explanation points, and do your best. (laughs) (laughs) A poem to the Loch Ness Monster. Snow Waffle. Hunuffle. Hunuffle. Hunuffle? Good, 
Gra. Griff graf. Ufgum. Gragum. Have a pullback. Double okov. Pullback for duff. Double dukush nash. Spogra. Fuck fuck. Spogaf hatch. Krabagaburg. Fuck spook. Zagra crack. Duck fuck. Graf graf. Goff. Gumble. Mumble. Blum plum. Blum plum. Blum plum. Blip. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jess's beautiful rendition of Edwin's Morgan poem, The Loch Ness Monster Song. Thank you so much. And that concludes my story of the Loch Ness Monster. Thank you so much for that, Allison. Thank you, Jess. That made I almost peed my pants. I I want to believe. In fact, I do believe. I kind of believe too. That image, the sonar image. It's very cool. It's very convincing and has yet to be debunked. Lockie, if you're out there, Nessie, Nessie, I mean, how dare you? I just read her a poem. <laughs> Don't come for me. I mean, did you write it? No, but I read it. I understood. I, I mean, I'm a narrator. It was very emotional. Yeah, I there are tears in my eyes right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was incredible, Allison. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed Nessie. Yes, I also enjoyed Nessie. I'm so glad that you did her because I wanted to do her, and then I figured you were doing her, and incredible. Her and the mo- Mothman. Creatures of the night. We love them. Big fan. Incredible legends all around. Truly. Well, well, that being said, thank you so much for joining us on this episode, everyone. It was so much fun. We will be back next week with another 321 Shots. And the week after that will be a pop culture episode. We're going to dive into media stories and how, you know, famous stories of how the media has affected our pop culture. Mm-hmm. It sounds really vague, but it's going to be cool. I already know what I'm going to do. Can't wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be so fun. And as we requested earlier, if you have Logan Canyon stories, we would love to hear them. Um, If not, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Can't wait, guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.